Hey everyone, this is another episode of Logos Soup. Today I'll be elaborating more on my ideas and thoughts regarding this coronavirus pandemic. Before I talk about coronavirus, there's one thing that is very interesting about Dr. Jordan Peterson's lecture series about his Maps of Meaning book. Maps of Meaning was the first book he wrote. It was written and published well before he was the kind of famous professor, firebrand, whatever, public philosopher, which uh, we know today. Um, And he teaches a grad class about that book, which he wrote. It's called Maps of Meaning, The Architecture of Belief. And... At the very beginning of the first lecture in that series, he tells a story about when he visited a decommissioned nuclear missile silo. And he talks about how it was this kind of portentous experience, this kind of ominous, looming spirit of near annihilation of the human race that he was was in the presence of. And he talks about how the 80s and the Cold War era was marked by this fear of nuclear weapons and this knowledge that really at any moment catastrophe could strike, global tensions can increase, something like the Cuban Missile Crisis could take place, and if humanity is not lucky, you have this all-out nuclear war, this doctrine of mutually assured destruction, as they called it, where if one superpower launched a nuke, all of the other superpowers would launch a nuke, and that would be the end of everything. So he talks about how kind of his generation was constantly in the back of their mind afraid of nuclear weapons. Um, I think something happened in the early 2000s that was probably similar, though probably at a smaller scale. I'm not really sure. I was too young to remember, but that that would be what happened on 9-11. We had this new looming fear of terrorism and that that was specifically targeted at Islamic terrorism and for whatever reasons and to whatever consequence, that was a sentiment that marked much of the early 2000s, this this fear of terrorism. Well, there's another person I want to talk about before I specifically discuss coronavirus. And that would be Eric Weinstein. He's a mathematician and another kind of public intellectual figure. When he was on the Joe Rogan podcast, he, Eric Weinstein likes to coin a lot of terms. It's, it's something about his character. It's kind of funny in a lot of ways because he's, he's actually really good at coining catchy terms. His favorite, I think is the, what did he call it? the distributed idea suppression complex, the DISC. 
That's his favorite. He always talks about the, the disc. But another term he used on the Joe Rogan podcast was the twin nuclei problem. And essentially, his hypothesis is that during the 20th century, we mastered two nuclei, the nucleus of the atom and the nucleus of the cell. And since we mastered those nuclei, the human race has had godlike powers for destruction and engineering. He said that we are gods, but for the wisdom. And he expressed this idea that we are playing with fire and dangers that we can only imagine, that we can only articulate in science fiction, that we have no real grasp on what these dangers mean for us. And I think this idea of the human race tapping into dangers that we can't comprehend is very true. This idea that we can only fathom these dangers in the depths of our unconscious. And then this idea that before you have an idea that's fully fleshed out, an idea that you can verbally articulate, it's an idea that needs to be articulated in in kind of unconscious art that that bursts forth from the unconscious in kind of poetry or painting or sculpture. And I think that's true given the ominous post-World War II art and poetry and literature that, that came after that. This idea that the human race had developed this unconscious wisdom of knowing that at any moment things could go horribly awry and we could all die in a nuclear fire. Jordan Peterson actually mentioned that his book Maps of Meaning, which was fundamentally inspired by his interest in totalitarian governments, began as a poem. And out of that poem, he continued to, he continued improving the poem and it became an essay and later on to his book. But it's this idea that this individual, Jordan Peterson, was so haunted by mankind's encounter with this twin nuclei problem that he was haunted by these fears and these fears manifest in these kind of heavily emotional thoughts, these emotional imagistic articulations. And by playing with those ideas in the form of his poetry, he arrived at logical hypotheses, which became essays, which became a book. A similar thing happened to Carl Jung himself when he wrote his Red Book. The Red Book was inspired by 
Well, the first, the, the Red Book is a compilation of Carl Jung's visionary experiences from 1913 to 1916. And the first of those visions was a vision of a wave of blood coming over Europe. And that was a reflection of his fear over over a massive war that could break out in Europe and ultimately it would break out in the form of World War I. So Jung, Jung is another example of how these creative impulses, how these fears and unconscious understandings manifest in creative impulse before they manifest in articulated logic and, and rhetoric and discourse. Now, when I found this out about Jordan Peterson, I thought it was very interesting because back in high school, probably, probably four and a half, five years ago, I wrote a poem that is explicitly about the, the danger of this twin nuclei problem. I, I, I obviously didn't use this term twin nuclei problem, but I think it's a very interesting term. I think it's very catchy and funny. But anyway, it was this poem that talked about, that tried to articulate the dangers of too much consciousness and too much science and too much understanding of the atom. So, I mean, it's a pretty bad poem. I wrote it when I was basically a kid. I still am basically a kid, but whatever. I was like... 18, I went to an all boys school. So the threshold for decent poetry and art was pretty low. Um, but anyway, I'll, I'll read the poem. I titled it the tragedy of knowledge. Brightness of the brain, bringing the brightness of a blast clouds of reason manifest in pyro clouds of the sky. Efforts that once raised, now folly that does raise. And this human desire dies, comes an inferno pyres rise, manifest in a spark and blaze. Once man's vital Promethean gift, now perverted in a tragic shift and fall from benevolence in earthly endeavors. The end of an intellectual odyssey, a drama spanning millennia, the tragedy of knowledge beginning in the bliss of alchemy, closing in man's nuclear nihilism with the last bite of the tail that has become our serpent's head. One interesting thing I... One thing that I find interesting looking back at this poem, um, I wrote it when I had virtually no knowledge of Carl Jung and his analyses of alchemy. And at the end of the poem, I invoked this image of the Auroboros, which is the serpent biting its own tail. It's a, Carl Jung described it as the central mandala of alchemy. It's this idea of the continuous cycle of consumption and birth and death. But anyway, I think this is another great example of how these ideas and these fears are articulated in the form of art, even if it wasn't fantastic art. But anyway, so I've talked about the twin nuclei problem regarding the atom and 
I suppose I'm not even going to discuss the coronavirus at length, but based on all of this, I want to put forward a, a sort of hypothesis. And I think that I think that we'll probably be all right from this coronavirus. We might not be. It might have really severe impact on the global, on the health of our population forever. But I suspect that we'll be fine in four or five months. But what will happen is this event will linger in the collective unconscious of our generation for a long time. And we're going to come to consciousness of what the dangers of that second nucleus are, the nucleus of the cell. We're going to realize how devastating a virus can be, how quickly a virus can spread, how dangerous the games we're playing with antibiotics are, and how catastrophic and a really serious antibiotic-resistant disease could be. We're going to realize what kind of dangers we're posing with genetic engineering. You know, I think it was in the Soviet Union that people were experimenting with crossing Ebola and smallpox because smallpox is highly contagious and Ebola is obviously highly deadly. And, you know, coronavirus is very, very contagious as we're learning. So if you either take what we learn from the structure of coronavirus and add that to say Ebola or take some of the components that cause diseases and hem- cause damage and hemorrhaging from Ebola and place that in a coronavirus like virus. I don't know how all of this works. I just, I took like two molecular biology classes and I got a D plus in one of them. So I'm really talking out of my ass here, but, um, point is, I think we're all going to realize how serious the dangers of genetic engineering and pathogens are. You know, fundamentally, we're a population of primates. And when we look at modern medicine and science, we think of ourselves as as something greater than that. And, And, you know, in many respects, we are. But in other respects, we're just as vulnerable to disease as your average chimp. So yeah, I think this is going to have a market effect on art. Uh, I mean, hopefully art. I think contemporary art is dealing with a problem of fragmentation. Like contemporary art's really doesn't isn't one thing one united i know no art stuff i know no art movement is one thing but contemporary art really seems to be in this this state where the internet produces so much art that varies so drastically in theme and style that there is no such thing as contemporary art but 
I think it'd be interesting if we have a post-apocalyptic pandemic punk element in contemporary art for a little while. I think that could be good for the culture. Um, but I expect this coronavirus to linger in our unconscious for a very long time. I expect it to fundamentally change our politics and our global relationships. I expect it to play a role in our art and literature. And I expect it to hopefully make us ask some serious questions about how we're approaching biology, genetics, and bio-warfare. Okay, so I'm going to end it here. This was another episode of Logo Soup. Thank you very much for listening.